Welcome to the Cyber Life Podcast. Remember, if you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, five stars, of course, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Cyber Life Podcast. My name is Ken Underhill, your host. In today's episode, I have two special guests with me, and these are not cybersecurity people by any means, but we're going to speak about an important topic. So I want to welcome Jason Hyman and his lovely wife, Brittany, to the show. So welcome, guys. I definitely appreciate you taking time out to uh, hop on the show today. Thank you. So do you mind just kind of sharing with the audience just a little bit about your background, maybe uh, if if either of you are working in corporate America or have worked in recently, and then what you guys are kind of doing now? Sure, sure. So I guess I'll start and I'll bring Brittany in. She can she can close things out. But can we we actually met in um, grad school where both of us were working for housing and community development. Um, so you can say our background is more in planning. We went to uh, Texas Southern University for urban planning and we both have a business background. Um, so we started out in housing and community development for the city of Houston. I went on to to banking after that, working at Bank of America. And after leaving Bank of America, um, I started our brokerage office. We offer brokerage services and uh, planning services. So the name of our company is Real Link Real Estate Services. We have one office here in Houston. That's the office of Jason Hyman, it's my office here. And um, so my background is really more so, uh, I have this public private finance um, slant to everything that I do. And that's why you probably see a lot of social media. If you follow us at Jason T. Hyman, uh, you'll see a lot of community building and things like that, where we're trying to educate folks and corral them together around real estate. But, and I'll let Brittany kind of chime in on what, what she does uh, now, if you want to. Honey. Okay. So um, I'm Brittany. Currently, I serve as the division manager of policy and communications for the housing and community development department. And I also assist in the office of Jason T. Hyman in terms of communication and community engagement. And my background um, is in urban planning. My emphasis while studying urban planning was community development, which is how I ended up at the housing and community development department. Jason thinks it was so I could follow him, but it was actually so I could do community development. And so um, that's, that's what I've been into and how I held up. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, guys. So I wanted to talk a little bit, and just this is more along the sort of the community side as well as uh, a topic I like to discuss a lot and, and I don't think is really necessarily shared too much in, in the infosec or the cybersecurity industry as it's called now nowadays because I guess it sounds cooler. Uh, but it's generational wealth. And I think that you guys are – doing that significantly for the city of Houston, different neighborhoods, as well as um, your own finances. So Jason, do you mind just kind of talking a little bit about your sort of your journey as a realtor and with the, the investing and the financial stuff you guys are doing in the city right now, do you guys just kind of mind sharing that and maybe some, some tips and tricks for the audience? Sure. So, so that, that's good. You said you, you, you're right. Um, we don't talk about it enough. And so if you think about it, our office, we offer brokerage services all across the city of Houston, no different than like, let's say your Remax. But since we have this urban planning influence and this background and connection to, to public financing, what we set out to do is to come into communities like Third Ward and develop programming 
to start bridging that generational gap. Um, and then we kind of really push it as we like to bridge this generational gap one relationship at a time. So what you see is us doing uh, classes to meet people where they are to kind of build them up so that we can all communicate on the same level because that's very important. And then once we can actually communicate on the same level, we can start building capacity with one another, meaning we can start working together to, to, to invest, right? Um, and then once we've built some capacity, we've maybe raised a little bit of funds or we really know how to exercise the things that we learned in those classes, now we can start investing and actually developing together. And that concept really comes from, from the banking industry. When, it, you know, when I was in banking, I didn't know until I became a banker that um, most of the banks that give loans to these large companies, billion dollar loans, they don't hold these loans um, just alone the banks work together. There might be three or four or five banks that are investing in that one loan to give to a company. So we want to take that same kind of corporate philosophy and concept and bring it to the community level and teach them how to do it so that they can begin to uh, really take back control of their neighborhoods instead of letting, um, you know, any, any Tom, Dick and Harry come in a, in a neighborhood and really push them around or tell them what they want or need because they have money. Um, now, in order to do that, we tap into the public side of things. So the city and the state, your management districts and things like that to help support us as we're doing classes and workshops to help support the development activities of the area. The same thing that the same things that the big guys with money come in and do when they build these hundred unit complexes and things like that, they get all these tax subsidies and, and uh, different incentives from, from public um, entities. Well, we may not be able to do hundred unit complexes as, as a community just yet, but um, we're still able to take advantage of those same types of incentives so long as we're, we're effective in what we're doing. So that's been our slant and that's how we, we practice. Um, real estate, you know, we feel like that's the way to go in real estate. It's a very niche focus for us, but it's what separates us from big corporations like Remax and Compass and these new guys that pop up that are really just transaction based. Their offices are just churning out transactions all day. Um, where we're more relationship based and tied to, you know, one community or one area or one problem, so to speak. So from, from your knowledge, are there programs, obviously in Houston, and, and that's one of the reasons I brought you guys on, um, great city, if, if anyone out there is listening and looking for a new place to live, Houston's great. But are there programs like that in most of the major cities across the United States, at least, that you're aware of? So um, there are some federal programs that present opportunities for, um, you have different grants that can be used to fund affordable housing um, and affordable homes. One thing that's unique to Houston, and I think it's in a, a few other cities right now, we're trying out the community land trust model, which is um, giving the opportunity for entry level homes, presenting that starter homes had on some level disappeared from the market. And so it's giving you a step towards home ownership um, that allows you to maintain your equity 
And so um, that's a, a new product that's being offered in, I think it's maybe in five other states right now. Right. So, so Houston is kind of behind the curve in terms of some of the, the options uh, that are out there um, for, for home ownership and affordability, but they are working towards um, models like Brittany's saying, the Community Land Trust. We have a Houston land bank here. They're, they're doing great work. Um, and there's plenty of uh, different lending tools and products out there uh, from, that offer like down payment assistance. Um, the city offers up to $30,000 in down payment assistance. Uh, Wells Fargo had a, a program where they were given like 15K in down payment assistance. Right, and uh, you could ex get extra money if you were um, a, teacher, a teacher or a service professional. Service, yeah. So, there's a lot of things that we can bridge and wrap together, not just to the end buyer, but even the builder, right? We can come in and kind of help subsidize the builder um, to lower costs. And then on top of that, you come behind it and you have um, these down payment assistance programs or different, you know, community land trust models, for instance, that lower the cost even more. So in Houston, we just really need more support for those things. Um, the public needs to know so they can put more pressure on the city to kind of open up the floodgates on those things because um, time is against us in the city, especially in areas like Third Ward because you know the big G word, gentrification, is happening all across the country and affordability is, is kind of escaping us. So for those of us that aren't really making a ton of money or, um, you know, just starting out in life is going to be really hard for you to, to have that quote-unquote American dream and start building wealth for yourself. So for, for people out there that are thinking, okay, I want to get involved, I want to get, get into maybe just real estate investing itself or get involved in these types of uh, uh, collaborative efforts, should they where should they start should they start first with let me get my personal finances in order like let me get like fix my credit and, and that sort of stuff or should they go reach out first and then get that help like what what is sort of the best path for them to take so that's a that's a pretty good question um because that's a real good question because i think because of social media there's a lot of information out in the market and you really don't know who to listen to or what to listen to. But to answer it, I'll answer it kind of twofold. Um, one is get off social media for a second um, and find someone that's in the market like us that, that knows the system, that knows these programs that you can connect with, right? To guide you. The second thing is absolutely get your credit together and save some money. Um, and that's sometimes I think is something that's communicated via online that you don't need these things. But we really push a culture of being in a power position, just meaning you need to be in control of your choices. So if you're, if, if you have some money saved and you you worked on your credit, the options for you open up tremendously, rather than not having those things and someone telling you what it is you have to do. Um, we're just able to do a whole lot more with that. So those two things combined put you in a really good uh, uh, position to to um, take advantage of, of these programs that are out there. And, it, and 
And when I say save some money, I'm not saying save, you know, 20 grand or 20% for a down payment, you know, three to five grand in the bank will help get you, get you very far. A credit score of 620, 640 will help get you very far. And there are folks out there, I know, Ken, you're, you're familiar with, we work with Muncie um, with some of our files. And, you know, you, when you have people like her that can help you with your credit score as well, um, you just have to be patient in getting to that point. And I guess that's maybe a third thing that, that I think people need to know is, is to be patient um, in, in this process. If I could add something to that, is the importance of connecting with someone who understands um, different options that are out there. Because I think a lot of times people try to get it together themselves and wait, and you miss out on certain windows. For instance, um, if you're a student, you have an opportunity at that time because you might be able to qualify for certain programs um, based on, on your income. Whereas if you say, oh, well, I'm going to wait until I get my first job and you know, I save up, well, you could qualify for more programs as a student. Um, and there are different creative options that are available to you. So you don't have to be in a position to say, oh, well, I've had this job for, you know, 20 years and now I'm finally ready. Just, you know, make sure you get with someone who's knowledgeable who can guide you from where you are. Meet yeah. Where you are. yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, unplug from a lot of the noise and get to your point, can get get with the professional that knows this stuff. Yeah, I agree, hon. So, so where do you find that professional for those people out there? That are like, I have no clue. I'm not in Houston. Where do I go to find these people? Is there a certain repository even online that they can go search and, and find these people? Should they go old school and look in a phone book? What wow. to find them? <laughs> I, I wish can, and and this might be a shameless plug but a plug nonetheless, because I don't think there is a depository like that, um, call me. <laughs> so I would say call me. And I, and I say that from a very honest point of view is if I don't know and I can't help you, I'm going to connect you to the right person because there really is no directory out there. Um, there's probably a ton of directories out there. So how do you know who knows what? And nowadays, we can really pass ourselves off as, as anything we want to be uh, for the most part online. So uh, definitely, when you get with someone, I would say um, ask for resumes, ask for background. If they're a licensed real estate agent, um, call the Texas Real Estate Commission and, and look at their license history and things like that. Don't just um, connect with someone that says that they can do something have them prove some of those things to you. Um, and that goes back to what I'm saying, kind of slow down. You have to slow down a little bit. Don't go with the first thing you see and get, you know, get in front of. But um, the easiest thing to do is to call me. So and there are also um, resources available on the Jason C. Hyman website. Um, I think there's a blog post that goes over the 10 things to look for in a real estate agent mm -hmm. um, and tip sheets, things like that, that you can use, even if you're not in Houston, that just, um, goes with what you should look for in a professional and um, what you should look for in an area once you do start looking. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, and for those out there, it's, it's Jason T. Hyman, H-Y-M-A-N.com. And this will be uh, posted in the podcast as well as when I do the post on LinkedIn. So just keep an eye out um, for that link there so you can find the information. 
any other uh, advice that you that you guys have for people out there that are aspiring to build their own generational wealth through real estate or uh, and or those individuals that want to get involved and try to build more wealth for their community itself um i, I think one big thing that i i that I'm very supportive of is that um, really don't 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 be scared to take that step. Um, I think that's the really the, the biggest thing. It's not as hard as you think. Um, you just have to put one foot in front of the other and go forward. And as long as you have the right person walking with you, you'll get there. Um, kind of drown out the noise of what everybody else is doing and uh, focus on what you need to focus on and what your advisor uh, is telling you, what your consultant, your, your real estate consultant or agent is, is telling you and walking you through. Um, and I think the other thing that I really would encourage folks to do is to, um, as they're investing, especially in the quote unquote underserved communities where there may be um, things like gentrification happening, um, plug into those areas. Don't just throw your money out. Okay, see what they are about, see what's needed there, um, check in with the people. I'm not saying you have to be become a part of what's going on there, but at least check in as to what's going on. So when you want to invest somewhere, maybe show up at a civic club meeting first and see what's going on in that area. You're putting your money there, see what's happening. That's, that's a risk. Um, we've seen investors come into our area wanting to build stuff and the whole community shows up downtown and says, we don't want it. So there's millions of dollars you just squandered because they put this, the community pushed back on what you wanted. And all you have to do is go and have maybe a 30 minute conversation with them, right? Um, so I really encourage people to plug in with what's going on on the ground. Um, if you don't know how to plug in, um, you can call the city of Houston's Department of Neighborhoods and they will connect you to the leadership in any area in this city. Nice. And actually, I didn't even know that, so <laughs> I learned something new. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I mean, I think one of the, the, the key takeaways here, as you keep saying, Jason, is just slow down. It's just like any other investment, right? You slow down, analyze it, make sure it's the right fit, and then proceed. Absolutely. Makes sense. Absolutely. It, it, it's a fast-paced industry. The transactions happen fast, Ken, but the business doesn't. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me, yes. Yeah. I think um, one thing that you have to encourage in individuals is the power of community and starting small just start where you are because i think we hear the terms invest and um, wealth building and that can be intimidating for some people you know and i think um, it's important to understand that for a lot of people real estate is their gateway into building wealth and a lot of communities have traditionally been um, left out of that equation and so it's important to educate yourselves work together if you can 
um, there's nothing wrong with if you are in a place where you can still live at home and, you know, buy something small and rent it out, you know, be creative and think about different ways um, that you can do it on the level that you're on. Investing doesn't have to come from someone who is, you know, has a ton of money in the bank and a ton of experience. But you should start off with someone who is experienced. Like you got you right there. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think you both have brought up good points on making sure you vet people because there's, and I'll just speak from the aspect of, I, I had an individual that um, I heard about. This isn't, I mean, I know the person, but they didn't reach out to me. But they were gonna—they were thinking of hiring uh, someone to do their social media marketing. And luckily, they reached out to an advisor, and the advisor said, "Well, look at their post, right? Do they even have any traction on the post?" And of course, they didn't. So, it's hmm. right? If, you, if that person can't get those results, or they don't know what they're doing themselves, they, if they can't get those results, then how can they ever help you? So, I think absolutely, what they're kind of saying that vet those people, make sure that they've got a, a good track record, and then you can possibly proceed forward if it makes sense. But you definitely have to vet people because like you were saying, Jason, I mean, I've seen so many LinkedIn profiles and I see people that I know and I'm like, you, you don't even do that. You're lying. You know? <laughs> right. Why, why are you going to lie about that? You know? Right. Like, right. CEO, like, no, I know you work at McDonald's, man. It's, it's okay. Right. Yeah, it will start someplace. But, uh, it's like an app. It's become an avatar world. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> um, don't, I'm not going to even go there. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure it's like in your industry, that's that's you guys have a field day with it. There's, uh, you know, some people, yeah. <laughs> what is, we'll just let that, you know, roll off the backside. But, <laughs> yeah. It's just very interesting. Like, you just have to, anything on social media, you just have to take it with a grain of salt and, and you really have to do your homework on people and just make sure that it's the right fit for you because it could, they could have a great track record. It could be the perfect thing, but it just doesn't feel right. And then you probably shouldn't do it right. So just, just make sure you take your time like Jason and Brittany are saying, and do your research, do your homework and take your time doing it. Because even if you take an extra two months, long-term, that's not going to really matter. So Exactly. Exactly. It's well worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. And definitely get your credit fixed if it's not here in the here in the U.S., it's a huge deal. So um, I know there's there's a kind of a broad audience that listens to this. If you're outside the U.S., just make sure your finances are in order. But here in the U.S., definitely get that credit score up. Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely, uh, like I said, I appreciate you guys hopping on. Uh, any final thoughts at all before we wrap it up? I know you guys have other things to do. I'm filming this uh, for those that are listening on a Friday night. Um, I know they're they're busy and they have a life, you know. So so I want them to get back to that life. Okay. One of you. Well, I I will say I I will say just to kind of from my perspective to close is that um, I I want to just for a second go back to the community and the relationships. Um, in our business, relationships are everything. So just to really reiterate. Um, and I think in business relationships are everything too, but when you're dealing with real estate, um, you're talking about property owners in a community. And I just really want to stress that, um, really know what's going on there. I, I can't stress it enough. It's no different than picking up a financial statement for a company, except you can actually go and touch and feel it. 
right? I can't walk into to Google, really, right? I can pick up their financial statements, but it's hard to walk in the building and get a feel for what they're really doing. But you can do that um, in a community. You can get plugged in. You can join uh, civic clubs and super neighborhoods. And I encourage people to get more involved in those things. And the reason being is that those people really drive or have the power and influence to drive the decision making and the things that they want in a neighborhood. And the one quick example is that if you take a third ward for this area, there's certain ways that we want to build and there's certain things that we need here. Um, well, the city isn't structured that way yet. And the only way to get that way so that you as an investor can come in and build that, right? You want to build something that people will use is to get involved and get behind those people and what they want. Okay. That just helps your investment. That helps your long-term goals. And this is a long-term game. So I just really want to stress that, that piece about that. Perfect. So when you say get behind them, are you talking about the politicians that are moving this stuff? Forward? Not necessarily a politician, but you know, if, when you take this area, take different areas, um, most time the people that live there, they know what's needed, right? If you come into a third ward, it's a food desert. We need restaurants, for instance. But what if the development regulations don't allow for us to have restaurants, right? So get behind those people that are rallying, saying what they want so that we can get that push from the city, for instance, to have uh, diff flexible guidelines to invest and develop things, to um, rehab properties or whatever the case is. So we can do it in a little bit more collaborative fashion. So it's not just, you know, throwing darts at the, at the wall in a sense. It's like we, we may not have zoning, but the um, civic engagement process is is valuable. It's one where you, you can leverage that as your tool to be a voice. So in the absence of zoning, getting involved um, with the council process and the planning commission and and participating in civic engagement right. forums and opportunities, um, that's your chance to to say what you want. So so a practical example for folks is this. I come in, I'm an investor or a group of investors, a developer, and I want to build a building, but I can't build the building because the parking regulations or the parking requirements are just too much. So I can't build it. Right. But what if it's something that the community wants, they will get behind that person. We can, we can rally together to get behind, behind each other to go to the city and say, Hey, we want this building that this guy wants to build. Can you reduce those parking requirements so we can get that in our community? Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. So I think that's uh, that's definitely a good point. I think the collaboration is key, right? As, as we're trying to make effective changes, I think it, it's going to take, as you, as you guys mentioned, the community effort. It's that nobody can just go in there alone and start doing stuff. Good deal. Perfect. One, one question I, I also wanted to ask um, 
Jason, is let's say someone out there wants to get into real estate, just speaking mm-hmm. from Texas, which I actually know a little bit about, but just kind of speaking off that, like what, what, I guess the question would be like, what kind of education, and I know it may vary by state, but just kind of across the board, like do they need to go get some bachelor's degree or, or are there programs out there that they can go through in a shorter period of time to get that license? Yeah, so absolutely. There, there's a lot that you can do. Um, so if you have a college education, the track is faster. Um, but there are people that come out of high school and go get their real estate license. So there, typically there's about five or six classes that you have to take um, to get your license. You, there's plenty of different schools out there uh, that you can um, go to. Uh, you can take it online, you can go in the classroom, however you learn best. Um, but once you take those classes, you can go and sit for your test, your license, you'll take a test. Once you pass your test, you have to find a broker to work under, to sponsor you and kind of help uh, mentor you to your, to the point where you can practice on your own, or you're able to get your own broker's license. Um, usually that process, um, can be done it can really be done as quick as you want to. Um, it's really at your pace. It's more of a certification uh, program, but the schools don't, they don't lock you into a semester type um, uh, process. You kind of learn at your pace. So it's really up to, up to your, your hustle and really what, you're, what you want to get done. Cool. Awesome. So yeah, like I said, I, I appreciate uh, you guys hopping on, Jason and Brittany. I definitely appreciate you taking the time out. I know you're you're very busy. Uh, I see Jason always posting on social uh, social media, <laughs> but don't worry, guys. He's he's legit. He's actually doing this stuff. He's not like most of the other. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, I just want to thank you guys for hopping on again. I think this was a lot of good information. Um, hopefully, this will encourage some people to get more involved in their communities and also encourage them to uh, start building that generational wealth if they're not already doing so. Well, yeah, so thanks for having us, Ken. You bet. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right.